Welcome to Realty Talk, the show that brings together the country's most authoritative and respected property experts. Follow us on all the socials and subscribe for updates and exclusive offers. Realty Talk is powered by realty.com.au, connecting buyers, sellers and agents differently. Hi and welcome to this week's Realty Talk show. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance and we've got some great insights to share with you on this week's episode. When it comes to what's likely to happen with property in the future, given its meteoric rise across the board last year, it seems that everyone's an expert, but none more so than Pete Wargen from Buyers Buyers, who shares his thoughts on where property is heading this year. What's the cost of ignorance? In hyper-competitive sellers' markets, many property buyers end up buying anything they can, anything they can get their hands on, and often close to home, without having an investment plan and without understanding the risks. So to help you avoid these common property mistakes, Lloyd Edge from Oz Property Professionals concludes part two of our special feature. Now, have slippery shoe salespeople selling substandard properties using your super tarnished the benefits of securing properties in a self-managed super fund? Well, to round out the show, super guru Darren Kingdon of Kingdon Financial Services joins us to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of purchasing properties using your super. But before we share these great insights, make sure that you don't miss an episode of Realty Talk by signing up on the realty.com.au homepage so that you can get every show in your inbox every week. Now, let's get underway. Hi and welcome. Now, when it comes to what's likely to happen with property in the future, given its meteoric rise across the board last year, it seems that everyone's an expert and everyone's got an opinion. Sadly, most predictions are just that, ill-informed, loose-lipped opinions. So if you want to make better informed decisions on what the future holds for property, you need to turn to proven performers who have a track record of combining their accumulated wisdom with demonstrated action. And there's no one better on this front than today's special guest and industry veteran, Pete Wargent the co-founder of his new business, Buyers Buyers, which is a unique go-to digital marketplace that helps you to find and secure property better and more cost-effectively by connecting you with a national panel of leading buyers agents. So welcome back to the show, Pete. Pleasure. Thanks, Bushy. It's always great to be on. Likewise, mate. Uh, everyone uh, loves your words of wisdom and insights. Uh, but to kick things off, mate, um, how do you feel that property performed against your predicted view in 2021 and what varied, if anything, and why? Well, as you alluded to, uh, predicting financial markets is always uh, tricky, especially in the midst of a pandemic. But uh, for our sins, we do put out annual property price forecast. So I guess it's all uh, written down in black and white. So looking back at what we predicted for 2021, well, we weren't very specific, but we did say double-digit price growth for the capital cities. Um, and uh, we didn't, we don't um, specifically forecast every region of Australia. It'd be a very laborious exercise, but yep. uh, double-digit growth. And I guess we just generally felt that the fall in real interest rates um, should have seen price increases of about 20%, and that's what we got. So I guess there's always this thing, the timing is never quite... Uh, easy to predict, but uh, yeah, we did predict double-digit growth, and in the end, about twenty percent is what we saw. So, uh, not too bad uh, last year. Now, 
looking forward, I think we might see slightly slower price growth. So we'll have to wait and see. Well, let, let's jump into that now. And, and looking at this year, what, what is your overall, over, overall view of how the markets are going to perform in 2022? Yeah, so the market's definitely got off on a solid footing. We've still got uh, very low mortgage rates, cash rate. It's going to be stuck at near zero, probably for the first half of this year at least. Plenty of cash around. Households are sitting on nearly half a trillion dollars of savings at the moment. And stock is still pretty tight. Listings are still about a quarter or 25% lower than a year earlier. Uh, I think the, the credit impulse, i.e. the change in lending, it is just gradually fading. So we'll still see a positive year for housing, probably price growth in the range of, say, 3 to 8%, but it just won't be as big as what we saw last year. And I think you'll probably find that it just cools off or just comes back into balance later in the year. Yeah, I think yeah, you're hitting that right on the head. The, the analogy I've been using is uh, it's a bit like the Australian Open tennis where uh, Medvedev, uh, we might be shaping up to the second serve rather than the first serve this year. So the, the first serve goes to at about 206 kilometres an hour. The second serve, while it's not the same meteoric growth, it's still coming through at about 190 kilometres an hour. So uh, it, everything's relative, but I think we're still uh, looking at a pretty solid year. So, uh, mate, what are the key drivers that you think we should watch out for that are likely to influence property this year? Well, the big one is the reopening of the borders. So um, for those of us who like to travel, which includes both of us, it's been very difficult <laughs> the last couple of years to get in and out of the country. Officially, now you can get back in, but actually the borders aren't you know, fully reopened. Uh, but we're heading in that direction. In fact, the government, um, at the time of speaking, only yesterday launched a new campaign, a $7 million advertising campaign to get backpackers into Australia. We've got a shortage of uh, that cohort. Uh, yep. And if you look back over time, I mean, the highest number of uh, backpacker visas we had was about seven or eight years ago um, at over a quarter of a million. Um, so I guess this is one of the things that when the borders reopen, we'll see tourists come back, international students, we've got the backpacker visas. So I think tight rental markets will be a key theme in 2022. I think uh, the big sort of question is how much will people move back towards the cities? I think gradually they will, because a lot of people have gone and taken the tree change or sea change through the pandemic. And I suppose another theme is just the gradual rise in mortgage rates. I think that'll get a lot of airtime, but I think actually we're talking about mortgage rates going from sort of 2% up very marginally. Uh, so those are some of the key themes. Also, a lot of people have been working from home early in 2022. So it's a question of, well, how quickly will people actually get back into the office? Yes, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the permanency of some of those transitions. But, uh, mate, so you, uh, in that context, what are some of the important sectors that you think we need to keep an eye on in 2022? Well, interestingly, we've been getting an awful lot of inquiries about commercial property, which is interesting because... I think a few years ago, everybody was just purely focused on capital growth, not even interested in rental yields. I just wonder whether the media headlines about uh, rising mortgage rates is just um, causing more people to think about rental yields. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, we've seen apartment rents actually beginning to rise um, in inner city Melbourne, for example. Yep. And that's, I mean, they came right down through the pandemic. Um, so I guess that's going to be an interesting thing. Um, the, the reach for yield by investors, uh, what will happen to office space? I think offices, there's a lot of uncertainty there. 
Uh, a lot of people have gone into industrial property. And I think, yeah, it'd be just interesting to see what happens with apartments because generally they tend to fare better when people are looking for yield. And I think that's just starting to happen again. Yeah, no, good call. Are, are there any other wildcard elements that uh, you believe may have a, an impact on property this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a wildcard, but it's an election year. So that always throws up some interesting policies and debates. I think the, the big potential wildcard, apart from changes in working habits and the working from home phenomenon, I think it's just whether we get like a new strain or something of the virus that just sets back the recovery. Uh, the, the economy has rebounded really well. And there's been loads of stimulus around. Um, you know, the government's been throwing a lot of uh, stimulus into the economy. But if we've got a new strain of the virus or, you know, there's a setback in, uh, in terms of the sort of getting back into the office and getting back to work, that's the potential wild card. Hard to predict things in the midst of a pandemic. So you just never know. Yeah, no, it's a very good call. I, there's not too many letters left of the Greek alphabet for the, uh, the virus variants, uh, Pete, but uh, they keep coming up with them. So time will tell. <laughs> now, awesome, Pete. Well, uh, thanks again for taking the time to share your insights. We, we always enjoyed your words of wisdom and thanks again for your time on the show today. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Bushy. Thanks, Pete. Well, when it comes to investing, great knowledge is power. So to improve your property arsenal, reach out to Pete and the Buyers Buyers team by jumping on buyersbuyers.com.au. More shortly, here on Realty Talk. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. KnowHow has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Hi, and welcome. Now, over the last couple of years, many property buyers have been caught up in the herd hysteria and fear of missing out or FOMO of property as prices have surged with the highest rate of value growth in over 30 years. And in these situations, many property buyers end up just buying anything they can get their hands on close to home without having an investment plan, without understanding the risks. So to help you avoid these common property mistakes, today we continue with part two of our special feature with Lloyd Edge, the Managing Director of Oz Property Professionals Buyers Agency and the author of his best-selling book, Positively Geared. So welcome back to the show, Lloyd. Hi, Bushy. Good to be with you again. Always, mate. Now, Lloyd, to avoid the sort of current gold rush fever and knee-jerk FOMO approach to buying property, how do you suggest investors draw up a strategic investment plan? Well, the number one thing that people really need to do is ask themselves why they want to invest. And that really comes down to what your goals are. So uh, is your goal to uh, grow some properties for some financial independence, maybe some passive income in the future? Maybe you've got kids and you want to be able to uh, have an inheritance for them. Maybe you want to be able to um, afford to be able to put them through school, for example, afford that family holiday later on. Work out what your actual goals are. Uh, and then from there, you can actually then draw up a plan and work out how you can get to those goals. And just starting with one property at a time, of course. But then 
your goals then dictate the sort of property you need, whether it's cash flow property, whether it's a growth or combination. Do you need to add value to the property? Maybe you need to do a renovation. It could be a subdivision. It could be a development. But once you know your goals, then you can draw up a plan and move forward from there. And that strategic investment plan is something you can keep adding to and you can document what your goals are and the type of properties you're buying and how they can actually help you move forward towards your goals. Yeah, spot on. You're really providing both a, a magnet and a, and a compass to guide the decisions that they're then making day to day, which is a, a great way to go. Now, uh, risk is an area that's often overlooked by property investors. So what are some of the risks involved with property investment that we need to be aware of, Lloyd? Well, I think number one is that uh, with all investment does carry some risk. So there's no guarantee about having growth uh, in, a, in a property or having massive rental yields or anything like that. So you can mitigate those risks by ensuring that you're buying in an area that does have you know, good infrastructure or the amenities. You know, I love buying in school catchment zones where there's maybe new hospitals and universities and, and all those sort of things. And, and a town or a city that has lots of uh, drivers for economic growth. So, you know, not the one horse mining towns because they're more susceptible to having that crash. Um, I think it's also, um, you know, really important to, uh, to you know, mitigate your risk by having sort of a, a balance of, you know, capital growth and rental yields because if you have too uh you know too lower yield on your property then and your interest rates go up which is a risk then uh you can get into a little bit more trouble there so i think that uh trying to have good cash flow on your property can help actually mitigate uh against some risks moving forward uh on on the purchase of a property if you're buying an established property then one of the things that you do need to do is get a building and pest inspection uh, because one of the risks of buying property is that there could be some structural damage. Uh, there might be some termite or some history of termites in there. So you need to get that report done to see if there's anything in there that needs addressing. Uh, it also gives you the option then that you might want to renegotiate price or pull out of the purchase. So things like that, there are things you can mitigate to, to make the whole process easier and more comfortable for you. Yeah, spot on. Uh, I, I find too many investors are focusing on the property and the rewards without really considering the risk and then putting measures in place to protect themselves. So uh, great suggestions there. Uh, what shouldn't you compromise on then when purchasing a property, Lloyd? Um, so I think you definitely should not compromise on getting a building and pest report done. So they're usually around about the $600 mark, give or take a bit. So yeah, whether you're spending $300,000 or a million dollars on a property or whatever, uh, that's a small amount to, uh, you know, to pay for, for peace of mind, essentially. Uh, that's sort of uh, really important. There are other things you can compromise on. I mean, if you're buying a home to live in, uh, depending on your budget, you might need to compromise the type of street or, the, or, the, or how, how large your home is, how large the living area is. Does it have a pool? There's plenty of things that, you, that it, it might be okay for you to compromise on. But uh, certain things like, uh, you know, structural damage is certainly something that you don't want to find out later and cause you a whole heap of problems. Yeah, totally agree. Very good thoughts there. Now, why shouldn't you just buy a property close to home then? So when you're buying um, close to home, it really closes out the market to a lot of a lot of other areas. Often people think that they know the area where they live. But uh, if I was to ask, and I ask this question all the time of my clients, if I was to ask you, okay, what is the vacancy rate? What is the growth trend or in the suburb where you live, they can never answer that question. So people really don't know the suburb where they live. They just think they do because they think they can drive past the property and they're checking on it. But that's not really how it works. If you uh, buy in another location, which would be another city, could be another state, and you do enough research on it and you get all the research reports on it, 
then you'll end up knowing that area much better than the area where you live anyway, because you'll end up knowing what drives the growth in the area. Uh, you know, you'll have all sorts of um, Google or satellite images of the, of the property. You'll probably go and visit the property before you buy it. You'll know the vacancy rates. So you know the area really, really well. And the thing is that unless the suburb where you live happens to be the best area to invest in the country, then why buy there? Uh, and quite often you might find better value for money that's more within your budget somewhere else anyway. Yeah, very good thoughts there. There's, there's over 15,000 suburbs around the country, so the chances of your suburb being the, the highest growth or the best, best yield is pretty slim. Might happen, but it's it's going to be more by the good luck than good fortune. So no, I love those thoughts, and thanks for these very refreshing and timely reminders, Lloyd, and thanks again for your time on the show today. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks, Lloyd. Well, it's clear that if you want to avoid the property traps of the many, you need to develop a strategic investment plan understand and mitigate the risks and avoid buying in your backyard by becoming borderless. And the best way to start achieving all this is to grab yourself a copy of Lloyd's book, uh, Possibly Gear, which you can get at all good bookstores and on Amazon, or reach out to Lloyd's buyer's agent team at Oz Property Professionals. Stay with us for more on Australia's longest running property show here on Realty Talk. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Greetings and welcome. Now, in recent years, the opportunity to secure property through your super has been somewhat tarnished by slippery shoe salesmen selling substandard, sight-unseen interstate properties. But has this overshadowed the significant benefits that you can enjoy by purchasing properties using your superannuation monies? Well, to dig into, into the subject, we're joined again by super guru, Darren Kingdon of Kingdon Financial Services, who's recently released his third investment book, Master Your Super. So welcome back to the show, Darren. Great to see you again, Bushy. Always, Darren. Now, I love j- jumping into this subject because uh, it's often misaligned, but uh, to kick off with then, why has securing property through super been such a popular strategy in recent years? Well, look, I think you might have touched on one of them just with the, the slippery shoe salesman comment in that, look, it is seen to be a, a, a bit of a honeypot and, um, and Spruitkas have obviously latched onto that, in, in, in unfortunately, in some ways. So, so people buying um, sight unseen, off the plan type of um, properties and things like that have, have tended to have a really tough time of it and unfortunately learn some very expensive lessons along the way. But... But it, but it is still one of the reasons why superannuation is intracted is is cash flow. There is generally a, a, a lump of superannuation there that can enable um, investment in property. So so and that can go a long way towards either a deposit or to just to purchase a property that you like outright. Uh, just to gain a bit more control over your investment strategy. Um, so that is a factor. But 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 I think beyond that, a lot of the then when you start to think about personal tax. Um, and, and the tax savings that can be achieved by holding an asset in a, in a superannuation fund or a self-managed superannuation fund. When you think that the worst 
sort of case scenario, tax rates 15%, that's pretty good when you compare um, to tax regimes around the world for retirement assets, can potentially be 0% um, once you get to a pensionable, pensionable age. So tax is also a, a very um, prominent factor um, on top of the cash flow. And then I think another one that, that often gets forgotten about is just the asset protection side of owning a, a property um, in superannuation, because if there's a financial misadventure or a, or a potential bankruptcy, or a litigation that's going on, having it owned by a um, trustee of a superannuation fund certainly provides a, an extra line of defence, you know, for you to be able to keep the asset for your family. Very good call. Yeah, and that's one that's that's often uh, overlooked or not known about. So, um, so looking at the uh, types of strategies that are commonly used to secure property using super, what are they, mate? Look, I'd say that probably the the preeminent one is is, is owning a commercial property and, and leasing it back to um, a related business. So you start to get the best of both worlds. You have an asset in a in a low tax environment that that attracts hopefully capital gains in the long run, as well as rent and, and income um, with taxed at the low rates that we're talking about. So it can become quite a, a powerful sort of strategy for, for small business owners. Um, you end up having a couple of different lines of tax deduction that can help keep the bottom line of the business down and keep your day-to-day -day tax down while starting to sort of get more in the superannuation environment because the rents don't get included in the contributions caps, which is an important point. So the rent that received by a super fund isn't counted in any cap. And on top of that, you can still do your cap, which is currently the concessional cap anyway, which is 27500 dollars per annum um, for the employees of the business at the moment. So there's a couple of ways there to help reduce the bottom line on the business side, as well as start to build up your retirement nest egg. Um, and, and, looking, and, for, and looking forward even further, like when you do retire, um, there's potential for the, the, any capital gains on that property to be tax-free if you actually convert those assets into pension assets uh, once you reach pensionable age. Yeah, there's some uh, pretty significant benefits there if it's done properly. There's no doubt mm. about it. Mm. Now, let's talk about the lending side of the equation because there's certainly been significant changes in recent years in relation to the banks and the lenders' view of leveraging money using super to buy property. Mm. So can you give us a bit of an update on where things are at now in relation to borrowing money uh, using super superannuation yeah, yeah. No, absolutely no so um certainly at the big end of town that there, there has been um, a reluctance to engage in the in superannuation borrowing that they'll, they'll sort of haul over the coals through the royal commission as were financial advisors um so there has been a reluctance to do that but i mean we do anecdotally we do say that they, they will still come to the party if you're a good enough customer of the bank i think in in, in large part um yeah. But, but there has been a proliferation of, of small and, and mid-tier banks starting to participate again in the limited recourse borrowing. That's the, that's the type of uh, borrowing that, that a superannuation fund can engage in. And, and, and the terms and conditions of those have really been sharpened quite a lot, I think, over that last six to nine months. Um, where we can see some, um, some competitive interest rates, which is around that three, you know, mid threes, high threes, early fours. 
Yeah. Um, so there's some starting to get some pretty good choice there, and the maximum terms are quite good as well. Like there was a period where the terms would be quite short, but but they have been sort of stretching out to that 30 year mark for for certain people. So there's some quite sort of sort of positive movement there. Um, I mean, obviously it's a big it's a big deal going and borrowing money and and uh, invest. So you need to have your cash flow sort of um, house in order. Um, yeah. and, and also I noticed as well, like, you know, um, you know, with um, offset accounts that there has been um, generally a reluctance of the providers to provide offset accounts with these, but, but there has been more of those starting to pop up in that last the six, nine months, which has been encouraging. Yeah, very encouraging. It's, it tends to be a bit of a, a cycle, doesn't it, in some of these niche uh, lending areas when uh, mm. things get tight, the lenders pull out. When they're yeah. starting to get a bit more aggressive and competitive, they uh, start dipping the toe back in the water. And the, yeah. the very clear message there for me is that if uh, uh, people are looking to secure uh, property uh, through their super and they're wanting to borrow money, then talk to someone like you who really understands the niche products that are available that will allow them to do that rather than just going talking to your bank. That's right. Yep. Now, that's good. Uh, final question, and this is one we often get from uh, people who, who start to think about uh, using their super to invest in properties. Uh, can existing properties be transferred into your super, Darren? Uh, well, it does. Well, it depends on what type. Um, if it was a residential property, generally not. But but if it was an existing commercial or industrial property used in business, then then that's basically the criteria. There's a, a legal phrase called business real property. So as it sounds, if it's a property that's used wholly and exclusively for business purposes, then that's when it can get transferred into a self-managed fund. Um, and then it becomes a question of, well, how do you do that? And what are the implications of that? So, um, for example, if we, if we um, sell the property to a self-managed fund or, the, or it's contributed uh, to a self-managed fund, well, there'll be a, a CGT implication. So that's an actual cost of the transaction. There'll be, there'll be other transactional costs, including stamp duty. So, that's, so those sort of things need to be weighed up against well, what's the potential benefit? Um, what is going to be the, the potential tax saving on uh, on rents or even land tax um, or, or even future CGT savings? So, so it becomes a bit of a, a business decision, a cost benefit exercise as to whether or not that those types of business property can and, and should be um, moved into a, a self-managed fund. And also sometimes you've got to sort of think the other way. I think with um, pandemic and how people are starting to rethink about their lives a, a little bit more. Um, just had a case recently, well, you know, wanting to buy a farm inside a, a self-managed fund, and that's going to be their future retirement sort of strategy or, or semi-retirement strategy. Yeah. So same sort of thing going the other way. Well, you aren't allowed to, generally speaking, use a property of the fund um, for, for private purposes, unless you can argue that it's a primary production business and you're really going to be dabbling in in that in your in your retirement years. Um, okay. So you've got to think about um, yeah the, the movement of the movement of assets both ways, unless yeah. of course you're going to sell it and let somebody else pay for the stamp duty. Yes, yeah, good call, but but important to understand the changeover costs uh, involved before uh, going any further with that. Yeah, now, that's awesome, mate. Well, look, uh, thanks again for these eye-opening observations, Darren, and thanks again for your time on the show today. Yeah, great to see you again, Bushy. Thanks, Darren. Well, it's clear that there are still very significant opportunities to secure property using your hard-earned super. So, if you're interested in finding out more, 
reach out to Darren and the Kingdom Financial Services team and make sure that you grab yourself a copy of Darren's great book, Master Your Super, from masteryoursuper.com.au. Stay with us for more here on Realty Talk. Well, that's another wrap for this week's show. Another big thanks to our special guests, Pete Wargent, Lloyd Edge, and Darren Kingdon. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of Australia's longest running and most popular online property show, subscribe to Realty Talk now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen. And make sure you sign up on the realty.com.au homepage to get every episode in your inbox every week. And while you're there, make sure you check out one of Australia's most extensive range of properties for sale from over 7,000 agents nationally. Thanks again to realty.com.au and BMT Tax Depreciation for their ongoing support. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Miss something in this week's show or want to catch up on past shows? Do it anytime at realty.com.au where we connect buyers, sellers and agents differently. 